Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back or welcome to another episode of Wednesday Wisdom with Jimmy Warden. I'm your host, Jimmy Warden. On today's episode, I'm going to be discussing the phenomena of habits, specifically how habits form, how we are either conscious or not conscious of our habits. I also want to try to clear up some misconceptions around habits and really break down some of the brain science that is behind habits. Um, With that being said, let's dive right into the episode, but right before that so that you can enjoy a break-free experience, a quick word from our sponsors. Habits could very well be one of the most interesting concepts to study in human behavior. We often don't know why we have certain habits, and at times we aren't even aware of some of the habits that we have. When we find ourselves in a rut, we don't always think about how the accumulation of our habits could have actually led us there, no matter how big or small our habits may be. Needless to say, habits feed us, whether we are aware of that or not. They, in a way, are who we are. They are our being. They form in very intricate ways and for many, many different reasons, a few of which I'm going to be exploring in this podcast. There are also some misconceptions around habits, such as how long it takes to make or break a habit. And the best part of it all is that there is some fascinating brain science that really drives all of our formation of habits. So each person on earth has habits and they fall into one of two broad categories. First, there are our conscious habits, the ones that we are aware of and we have some understanding around why we have these habits. Conscious habits could include habits like going to the gym for X amount of days over the week, reading or writing for X amount of time throughout the week, eating a specific way that fuels our body the way that we intend it to, or budgeting a specific amount of money for your savings account out of every paycheck. Now, these conscious habits often are driven with desired long-term outcomes, uh, with that desire being to improve an aspect of life. So for example, you know, going to the gym, and we can actually kind of combine this right now with perhaps if you have a certain method of eating in a certain eating style. So these two habits are habits that we really thought of, really, really thought through in order to create some type of blueprint for a desired outcome or a desired aspect of our life that we want to improve upon. Otherwise, we wouldn't engage in these habits or these behaviors at all. You know, I might start with going to the the gym two times a week and trying to eat a specific way Monday through Friday. That was kind of that would kind of be the stepping stones of trying to create some conscious habits. You know, and then there are also there are also some other habits that fall into another category, which if we have conscious habits, the opposite of that would be unconscious habits. So these are habits that coincidentally uh, we're not aware of. So conscious we are, unconscious we are not aware of. We aren't really sure 
about how they formed or why we partake in them. And the challenge, the big challenge for this is that they tend to be more destructive. They, they have that tendency. And the potential for this destruction, it, it comes from the fact that unconscious habits are often driven by impulsive short-term, often an instant desire, a short-term instant desire for a specific outcome without the thought of the potential long-term consequences. Whereas those conscious habits, right? We, we are aware and we think about those long-term consequences that we want. We're trying to make positive changes in that long-term. That would be that consequence. However, when it comes to the unconscious habits, we don't even think about what could be the negative consequence of engaging in this short-term impulsive impulsive behavior. And unconscious habits could include, and really probably you think of when, when you think of the term unconscious habits, you know, they're not limited to, but they definitely include certain things like having an alcoholic drink or two after work, or perhaps maybe eating something high in sugar in attempt to combat a stressful day, or perhaps maybe even driving recklessly when you're angry. These are things that we do um, that we're not always aware of because we think that there will be often that there is a short-term instant gratification, you know, for the, if we use those examples of having a drink or two, or even eating something high in sugar, we think that that's, that that's going to relieve our stress instantly and driving recklessly when angry, you know, we, we think that, that the engaging of that driving will hap, help to actually de-escalate us. Um, when in fact, a lot of these unconscious habits actually have the, the opposite effect. You know, if we look at, you know, if we look at the, the drinking after work, that alcohol is actually a depressant. Um, so that's actually not going to necessarily make one feel better in the long term. Um, you know, you might in the moment, you might, your body might loosen up and, your mind might not think about what stressed you out. Um, but over the long term, if that becomes a habit and, and, it, and it's also then therefore unconscious, you know, if we think of that worst case scenario, that is what um, oftentimes could lead to, to addiction. Um, because there's, there's that not like, like I was saying previously, there's not that awareness of, of the, that long term consequence despite engaging in it every day. And, you know, with sugar, you know, the, the levels of cortisol, when we, when we consume sugar, our levels of cortisol and adrenaline in our blood sugar itself, uh, those all instantly spike. So that actually too, doesn't necessarily relax us after a stressful day. It actually, um, turns on our, our fight or flight. When we think of that term fight or flight that we, we associate that with, with adrenaline and cortisol release, which are both uh, stress hormones uh, to combat, to try to combat stress. And the last one, uh, driving recklessly, you know, that's by, it, it's it's really kind of adding fire, fueling fire with fire, or trying to fight fire with fire to, to de-escalate. You wouldn't want to continue in something that escalates you. In this case, it would be driving recklessly. Um, you would actually rather it'd be more beneficial to do something to the opposite effect if you actually want to lower that level of anger.
And the most important piece, the most important aspect of you know having an awareness, a conscious awareness of our habits is that it gives us the ability to change these destructive patterns that we aren't really aware of because we're engaging in them every day because it's come to be habitual. Essentially, a habit is something that you don't really ever have to think about. You you just do it. Um, and which and, and I'll start getting into that momentarily when I talk about the forming of habits. So, you know, and, and, and in a way, I guess, you know, all habits start as a conscious behavior, but eventually they do become unconscious, uh, you know, from brushing your teeth at the same time to taking the same route to work, watching a show before bed or having the same amount of coffee every morning. You know, these are all once conscious habits that over time they were repeated so much that they're now out of our thinking mind and they actually become unconscious. So habits really, again, and maybe perhaps now that I'm thinking about it, as I'm thinking and talking, maybe, you know, conscious versus unconscious habits might not be the best two categories, but you know, I'd like to think of it that way because everything has to, it starts in that consciousness of, of that awareness of wanting to make a change. Um, but the secret formula really is that, you know, when you're trying to create good habits is that you eventually want them to become unconscious to you. And it's when you don't engage in them that you have that conscious awareness. So for example, if you, if you're starting to exercise more frequently and, you know, then all of a sudden, if you didn't do that yet today, you have that awareness of like, Oh, I need to get my exercise in. Um, so that's how that that conscious that unconsciousness can manifest into a little bit of a conscious awareness. And you know, at the end of the day, we just want to make sure that these habits are are feeding us in a in a positive way so that once it becomes automatic, you know, we have a lot more of that happening throughout us and it's a lot easier said than done uh due to the many factors that come into play when it comes to habit formation. Uh, so I think, you know, first and foremost, you know, when we talk about forming habits, it's important to know that the first thought a lot of us have is that a habit can be made or broken in 21 days. Now, this is a very outdated claim and it's actually not very scientifically based. Uh, there was actually a, a social psychologist that I was listening to on the psychology podcast recently. Uh, the social psychologist, her name is Wendy Wood, and she is a, an aforementioned. Um, actually, that's probably not the right word to use there, but anyways, she is a she is an expert, a leading, renowned expert in habits, habit formation, habit change, and she states that it actually takes around two to three months to make or break a habit, and as long as there is consistency. That's one of the first keys. Uh, but the second, you know, and, and you could you can make an argument for which one's more important. But uh, the second piece of it, too, is that there is some type of reward present. So in order to really start forming some solid habits, again, you're going to have to take that time of, you know, two to three months and you need to be consistent and have some type of reward that coincides with the completion of this new behavior. And another idea to think about too, is that the longer the habit has been ingrained or instilled into you, more than likely, the longer it will probably take 
to break or to change. And, you know, the reason why that reward is so important is that in order for a habit to form, there does need to be that reward. Otherwise, the behavior will not be repeated. Whether the reward is intrinsic or extrinsic, uh, if there's no reward, again, no continuation of behavior. Now, intrinsic, we can think of uh, these rewards could include things like a raised level of esteem, you know, which is that, that concept of self-esteem, where that comes from, the feeling that we get when we know we're making improvements in ourselves and we're becoming a better person. You know, in simpler terms, it could also even kind of just be thought of as confidence and not, you know, I won't get, I won't go down the, the route of, you know, confidence versus arrogance, because that's a different topic for a different day. But, you know, when you believe in yourself, when you have confidence in yourself, you're, you're more than likely able to keep raising your game, so to say, just to, to steal a phrase from um, Alan Stein. And, you know, extrinsic rewards could be thought of as anything that is outside of you. So, you know, the, the intrinsic, internal emotion, esteem, you know, the, the feeling that you get within yourself when you're making improvements, those are all the intrinsic. Now, extrinsic is anything that's external, anything that's outside of you. So this could be, you know, maybe your ex extrinsic reward is, is a body transformation if you're changing some of your health and wellness habits, or perhaps your extrinsic reward is, you know, a new car or a new gadget. If you're saving up, up into that point, you know, you saved up into that point and now your reward is that, you know, that, and that's what fuels some people. Um, no, just because it might not be, uh, might just because you personally might not agree with it, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean it's not also a reward. Um, and on the flip side of that, you know, maybe you're just saving uh, to save for money's sake, you know, so that extrinsic reward is seeing that value in your account continue to rise and seeing it rise gives you that gives you that reward. And there also needs to be some type of motivation present in order for action to take place. So in order to start forming a habit, you need to be motivated to form the habit. And again, with motivation, that too can be intrinsic or it could be extrinsic. Now, intrinsic motivation mostly takes the form of, when we think of it, takes the form of someone wanting to make changes in their life to improve their well-being and quality of life. Now, going back to some of the previously mentioned ideas, you know, there could be, you know, maybe the motivation, you know, the, the motivation for someone to eat differently, right? So there, there's the behavior change. There's the action eating differently. Maybe the motivation behind that is to want to feel better physically, internally, right? On the inside, you know, having your body not be as sore, having your stomach maybe not feel as bloated, for example, but there's that motivation to want to feel better and wanting to do it for, you know, yourself. That also could be another intrinsic motivator, but also an intrinsic reward as well. If, if, and when you get to the point of completion, you know, you, you feel and that too, the, the 
feeling better physically is also a, a reward in and of itself. And, you know, it could also take the form of maybe wanting to start yoga or maybe you want to do mindfulness to try to increase your mental clarity, you know, with that desire to, again, feel better mentally and, again, doing it for yourself. And, again, those are also rewards in and of themselves, that that clarity and that, that overall raise in your self-esteem and just feeling better. Uh, about yourself. And extrinsic, again, can anything that is outside of you. So it can be thought of as desires for maybe a better self-image, because that's something that you showcase to others, maybe the desire for more material items, kind of like what we were saying earlier with the example of new gadgets or cars, Um, you know, or perhaps maybe you do something for somebody in hope that the favor is returned. So your motivation for doing something is is that which you hope is returned. And there are also some other interesting ideas that I've really come across too uh, when it comes to the habit formation cycle of motivation, behavior, and reward. So again, there needs to be some type of motivation to trigger a behavior and some type of reward so that the behavior is repeated. And according to James Clear, who is actually the author of a book called Atomic Habits, which I haven't read yet, but I'm, I'm really looking forward to, to diving into it at some point, uh, just because it is a highly recommended book uh, by lots of people, especially those um, that know the science around habit formation. And according to James Clear, the desire for acceptance always trumps the desire for improvement. And the implications of that statement are that people often have the tendency to make decisions to be accepted by others more frequently than they make decisions to improve uh, themselves. So for example, you could think of, let's say, again, I I think a lot of a lot of us can make that connection to the change in eating style, right? Because I think a lot of us have probably tried to do that at one point or another, just improve some aspect of health and wellness. But anyways, getting back to the point of it is that you find yourself at a birthday party, you know, and up until that point, you've been eating really well. You know, you've been eating your proteins, you've been eating your veggies. And at this at this birthday party, obviously there's there's a cake. And somebody says, Hey, would you like a slice of cake? And you say, Oh, no, thanks. I'm trying some new, I'm trying to form new habits. And you discuss your your journey that you've been on thus far with changing how you eat. And all it takes is one little sly comment or one little nudge from the from your friend or somebody who's there it's oh come on i mean it's just one piece of cake or oh well, what oh you can you can just pick back up with it tomorrow and and all of a sudden there's some interference right there with the habit that you're trying to form and so then because now you're you're feeling like you're not being accepted because you're not accepting the cake and again this is just a small microscopic example, but one that everybody can probably relate to at one point or another. And so you you can come 
come to different points of different times in your life. Maybe you're trying to take a break from, from drinking alcohol or maybe stop drinking alcohol altogether and you go over and gather with some friends and what's present? Alcohol. And what do people want you to do? Have a drink with them. And just one drink because it's just one. And, and, and just one is okay. But as, as, as you know, you know, one can lead to two, which can lead to three. And again, depending upon the habits that you've had previously up into that change, you know, it's going to, there's going to be, there's going to be a lot of resistance to that. And even if you also then resist the drink or the drinks that are being offered, then there's that piece of acceptance that might not be there. So it's very interesting because this tends to be, um, you know, somewhat unconscious of an act because our ancestors were a lot more collectivist than we were, and they really needed the group in order to survive, which is why social acceptance is so hardwired into us. Um, and that's why that extrinsic motivation um, often trumps the intrinsic motivation. The extrinsic motivation of being accepted into the group will now trump the intrinsic motivation. Uh, to improve yourself. And, you know, it isn't, it isn't until we start thinking of a tremendous question that clear even poses to each of us. And this is something that I heard from him on a recent podcast that he was on uh, the finding mastery podcast, where he was saying how he poses a question to himself each night and he recommends it that recommends that other people do as well. And the question is, what do I really want? You know, he asks himself this question and he just writes about it. And he's he's been engaging in that routine for a bit of time. And he was even saying how day to day it has the tendency to change, but it also helps to create some conscious awareness of some desired outcomes that you have for your life. You know, once the question's posed, take an honest reflection and really think, what is it that I really want? And quite often by posing the question, thoughts pop up upon that prompting. And this can really help us to navigate our path to change because what we want is now coming into our conscious awareness. And from here, we can begin to take some action steps, no matter how small they might be, to start heading towards that desired outcome. And this actually gives us fuel uh, in the form of dopamine, which is actually another factor in habit formation. And the role of dopamine is is a crucial one. It's a very, very crucial one. And to get a little bit of context, uh, just to inform you folks that might not be, you know, fully informed about what dopamine is, is that, um, you know, Dopamine is a neurotransmitter in our brain uh, that is activated when we desire something. So this could be the desire to eat, the desire to complete a task, the desire to see someone we love, and just about any other event or potential event that creates a feeling of desire. And this desire can actually also be thought of as motivation. And the challenge is that desire often wants to get met right away. So it is much stronger than our willpower, which is why that impulsive behavior that we talked about at the beginning of the podcast is very challenging to control. 
And the interesting part too, is that there are actually two types of dopamine. One of them being called desire dopamine and the other is control dopamine. So when we have this impulsive behavior that's really challenging to control, this is actually where control dopamine comes into play. And so like its name states, control dopamine allows us to have control and to control our decisions rather than be impulsive. And the reason is that controlled dopamine has to do with long-term planning and decision-making. The concept of willpower actually derives from controlled dopamine because when we exercise our willpower, we're often saying yes or no to something in the moment in attempt to manifest uh, a better future. Now, if we think about that same scenario of you know, somebody asking us if we want a piece of cake or maybe even a piece of pizza to celebrate that person's birthday, you know, we will probably cave um, to that desire. And that and that's the, so that's the other um, type of dopamine as well. There's control dopamine and there's desire dopamine. And we can think of desire dopamine as the desire for that instant, instant gratification, that need that gets met right then and right then and now in that moment and you know when somebody asks us if we want that we'll most likely cave to that desire in order to be accepted unless our motivation for long-term success outweighs our current motivation for short-term acceptance so that's how control dopamine can start manipulating your neural pathways and manipulating the way you think about some of those impulsive behaviors that you engage in. And it's really important because, you know, just because you've changed your eating habits, you know, in lieu of wanting your body to feel better physically when tempted shortly after making these changes, right? You're more likely to say no because that your motivation for that long-term outcome will outweigh that short-term desire to cave in because it's a change that you've made recently. So you have a really high level of motivation towards that long-term outcome because you just started, you know, but unfortunately this actually tends to fade over time and coupled with the fact that we often choose acceptance over improvement. When someone asks us that same question, if we want a piece of cake or pizza to celebrate that person's birthday, unless our motivation for long-term success outweighs our motivation for short-term acceptance, we're more than likely going to cave. But this is also how that question, what do I really want, can help us create more clarity in our lives as long as we properly execute. Now, again, if we know we really want that long-term outcome of that body transformation, we're going to say no. But if we don't really want it, then you know, we'll say yes to the pizza, we'll say yes to the cake and potentially derail that outcome, you know, but knowing, you know, knowing what we want can really help us make more consistent decisions. And I'm not saying that, you know, I'm not saying that one piece of cake is going to completely derail everything, but by making that decision once, it makes it easier to make that decision again. So there is that potential, you know, and that's why knowing what we really want can help us make those consistent decisions that are really aligned with our future ideal outcome. You know, and trying to put it all together, 
you know, we just have to remember that habits feed our lives, whether we know that or whether we don't know that. Because in order to start making changes in our lives, it really starts with changing our habits, which is why we need to recognize which ones we are aware of, as well as the ones we are not aware of. The ones that we are not aware of really tend to be more destructive because they often take the path of least resistance and they give us some type of instant gratification like stress relief, which is why we want to keep doing them. Once we start bringing our unconscious habits into our conscious awareness, we can start making changes to them, especially if they're destructive and not serving us in any way. And just by having more conscious awareness, we can start thinking about what changes that we really want to make. And with that, just know it's going to take some time. It will not be done in 21 days, um, like some of the old claims state, but rather it'll most likely take two to three months, especially if it's a really strong habit. And you know, this is why we should also really ask ourselves, what do I really want so that we can start articulating that concept and take action steps, no matter how small, towards our ideal outcome? And keep in mind that there's going to be an intense battle going on within you between desire, dopamine, which is that instant gratification, that need to, to, that need that needs to be fulfilled right that right in that second. And then there's also going to be controlled dopamine, which is thought can kind of be thought of as your motivation or willpower towards a long-term goal. And that's going to be going on with within you. And you know, desire dopamine is often going to win until you continue to make the right choices over time so that eventually the controlled dopamine will win those batchups. And it's going to take a lot of time to really build that skill and really build that willpower within you. Um, but, you know, if you're willing to take that time and really put in the effort to recognize what habits you like to change, figure out what it is that you want, and take some steps towards that, just know that change is on the horizon. So thank you for listening, folks. I really appreciate it. I can't do this podcast without your support, so continue to do just that. If you enjoyed this podcast, uh, please feel free to share it with others that you feel would enjoy it and it might resonate with them. Don't be afraid to check out my other podcasts as well. Uh, Any other episodes you can find on my podcast page. And uh, don't be afraid to check out my blog, either wednesdaywisdom.blog. There you can find these podcasts as well as blog posts really discussing any aspects of human life that I feel like people think about and you know want to make better. And that's that's my goal at the end of the day is just to not not only improve myself, but you know, inform you folks of some ways that you too can improve your lives as well. So thank you again for all of your support. I really appreciate it. So go check out more episodes if you'd like, and feel free to share this with others that you think would also enjoy it.